Welcome to the Ontario Outdoor Pursuit Podcast. This Ontario-generated podcast is here to talk outdoor living, fishing, and hunting. Give all kinds of geeky tech talks and hunting tips with things that have worked for us. We all have a story to tell, and here's ours. Welcome back, everyone. Today I am joined with someone special, someone that has been around for a little bit, has been talking lots, and uh, something I've been wanting to do for a long time, as we talked about, and because turkey season's now over, fishing is taking over my life, as it has yours, and you're here to educate me and everyone else. So uh, today I have with me Trevor from Heathen Outdoors, so thanks for joining. No problem. And we're going to dive right into some deep water fishing and kind of all kinds of fishing, boating, uh, because I'm new to the boating scene, we'll say, rather than offshore fishing, and I need a lot of a lot of tips and techniques. So, why don't we jump into how long have you been fishing for? Well, that's been a it's been a lifelong adventure for me. Like uh, easy, been doing deep water freshwater fishing on the great lakes here in ontario since i can remember three four years old like own sound uh lake erie used to catch walleye went back in the 80s when it was really hot big fish a lot of big fish a lot of big rainbows just it's been it's been definitely been the first passion for me for my for my outdoor life 100 percent was going fishing on the big lakes in the boat like being on the boat was just it's just been a lifelong adventure for me so was it more of just being out on the lakes or was it like a target species that you were guys were always chasing um at at first like when i was real little out with out with my old man and my great uncle al and stuff it was it was just out there watching lures really like i remember the best the best scent you could put on your lures was wd-40 like that's a that's an old school thing like literally you, you have a big can of wd-40 and you'd spray every spoon before you put it in the water and i mean it sounds terrible now and people are gonna hate me for it but i mean everybody who fished the great lakes especially lake erie north shore lake erie yeah sprayed wd-40 on their fishing spoons it was it was an incredible setup like you couldn't you can't beat it so okay so i'm taking that to lake erie this weekend yeah yeah, yeah. bottom bound some wd-40 pickerel rigs or something. <laughs> okay we did not talk about that off, off, off air but that is awesome i love that yeah it was funny but that that's that's a like a big staple they like go through cans of wd-40 and just like yeah. being five years old, just dousing it, so things just running off. Like looks like a tap of water <laughs> <laughs> of lubricant falling off this spoon, oh. but it wasn't out there long because fish on. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> That's but, rich. yeah. Were you guys uh, specific to a lake that you were targeting, or um, like you're from Dorchester? Yeah, I'm. I'm born and raised in Dorchester, Ontario. Uh, most of the time back then, we fished. We fished out of Port Stanley, yeah. Ontario, which is like a 25, 30-minute drive, depending on which route you take. We used to launch at the furthest launch from the lake, so the drive, you know, the little putter up the creek to the lake was the worst one in the world for a young guy just amped up to go fishing. So right, 
Um, and then we did a lot of uh, a lot of fishing up up in Owen Sound at my great uncle Al's place. Uh, I fished the Salmon Spectacular for a solid 25 years, like back in the glory days when they were weighing in like 4,000 fish a day on Chinook salmon and various species of trout, browns, rainbows, lakers. Like it was uh, like back in the glory days when 35-pound fish was winning the tournament and every day top, top 10 daily prizes were literally ounces and fractions of ounces away from the winning fish and like 10 fish should be spread across 10 ounces yeah is how the top if you weren't catching a 35.4 ounce pound fish you weren't even making the board that's crazy like it was it was incredible yeah and they can't even like now it's not even it's more of the quantity over the quality well now it's not even quantity like the quantity and the quality is down like I didn't look up the stats from last year, and I haven't been up in probably ten years now. But it's uh, it's definitely they're at a low point. They were might have been lucky to see fifteen hundred fish for a seven day tournament. Like it was. That's crazy. It's just it's weird how Mother Nature just does a flip flop. Like they they stock yeah. those fish hard for many years, and everything else everything else lost out on it. Like the perch are gone, the bass were gone. Even the native species trouts were, like, rainbows and browns and lakers were disappearing because of the Chinook salmon were mm-hmm. just decimating the populations everything. But it's all balancing out now, and the numbers are coming back up each year. They seem to be getting bigger fish and more fish, so Mother Na- Nature always finds a way, right? So Yeah. So I know how you kind of set up in, in your style of fishing, some of, I guess. How could you say, I know, because me and you were talking off air before, like how you could kind of get into it. It's not something you just go in deep sea, not deep sea, deep water fishing is not the same as, you know, throwing a bait caster off of the shoreline in the Thames around Dorchester. No. This isn't something you go, like you said, spend a few hundred dollars in and get fully rigged out. You guys are talking like thousands of dollars fully rigged out ready to rock but if you look at your damn instagram (laughs) you see 15 to 30 pound fish coming off the back of that boat like it's nobody's business like don't know what you're charging for charters but (laughs) i'm paying yeah like well you want to go you want to go catch six walleyes on the off the back of a big boat on lake erie it's going to cost you 650 bucks for five people Maybe only four now due to COVID, but <laughs> yeah, uh, f- for a five-hour fish on Lake Erie, that's about a going rate out the out anywhere. Like so. Um, but how did you guys get into it? Like, you know, you've told me you bought things over the years. Like, where does it, where does it all start? Like, obviously, I'm, I'm a prime example of this because I'm I'm new to this. I just got my boat over a year ago. I'm getting some rigging stuff, and I'm getting slowly, slowly getting into it, but. It's not all at one time, and I definitely realize that unless you've just got, you know, money to burn, like it's like it's grows in the backyard. But I know for sure it doesn't. So Def, definitely don't have money to burn. But it's like I got an accumulation of, like you said, like thirty plus years. Like it, it was something that was instilled in me at such a young age. Like going with my dad and on all like we didn't own a boat. We owned a boat when I was really little, and I don't really remember doing any big water fishing out of it so much 
I remember going to like uh, Manitoulin Island and fishing Lake Manitou and stuff like that a few times. Going across, my biggest memory was going across on the Chuchamon with the boat attached to my dad's van down on the gunnels of the Chuchamon going across to Manitoulin Island, right? Like that's the biggest memory of that boat that I have. Yeah. And <laughs> dragging it back from Nanny Coke when he sunk it because he forgot to put the plug in. Like that was, like I'm talking, I was four years old. Like that's, that's 32 years ago. Like yeah. that's, and uh, just just a lifelong dream of wanting my own boat and doing the stuff that I love. Like I used to live for the last week of summer vacation, going up to Own Sound to go fishing for seven days straight mm-hmm. in Uncle Al's boat. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and when I got when I started doing it, I got into it small. Like I was fishing Lake Erie in a sixteen foot Starcraft with a fifteen horse Johnson tiller on it, and I was out six miles offshore and this rowboat and this (laughs) rowboat with a 15 horse and i would make one pass i'd troll out loop around and troll back and what i caught is what i caught i mean those days weren't high success but i still caught fish like literally the hummingbird portable fish finder with a suction cup on the back of the boat that i'd have to fix 15 times because the suction cup would pop off the back of the boat like complete pain in the neck and now we're into it now we're into a rig that's got you know object weather radar and autopilot you know what i mean like yeah. it's just full-on set lines and winding fish and net fish and carry on keep sandwich in your hands and the the sonar and the and the graph up at the helm will make a beeping noise if there's a boat in the way mm-hmm. like it's times have changed times have definitely changed but i mean that's why we can go out and about 150 walleyes, 200 walleyes in a six-hour span on a good day. You know what I mean? You know what's uh, a crazy difference to me is when the way you talk about fishing and being on the boat and the way I talk about it because I don't know a lot or not really much at all is that I'll ask you, okay, what are you using for that? What are you know? What are you getting signals from to see that? You can just be like, well, it's this. It's got nothing to do with what you have, but how you've read everything else. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, so for anybody out there listening to this, if you got a boat and you're going to spend big money on the world's most expensive fish finder, whatever brand it may be, Garmin, Humminbird, Lawrence, Simrad, Raymarine, throw that right back on the pond and get yourself a fish hawk. Yeah. Like, a Fishhawk X4D or XD4, whatever it's called, is the most important piece of equipment you could ever bolt onto your boat. And what does that Fishhawk do? Because, I, I mean, I know. But for everyone that doesn't, and what I've been telling people, it's night and day for you. It's it's definitely a night and day. So what it is, it's a, it's a small head unit screen that tells you surface temp and surface speed. And then you have a probe that you put on just above your downrigger. And it'll tell you ball speed down down at your depth whatever depth you're fishing with your cannonball and it tells you the temperature there so you can find one the thermocline which is probably one of the most important pieces of information you can have all out there and the current is such a close second it may as well just be as important as the temperature of water like i've been since having a a uh, fish hawk on the boat like i've been you're four and a half mile an hour on the surface to get 0.8 mile an hour down at the ball, down 40 feet. Like 
And then people always wonder why all the old boys would tell you, oh, just make it, you're not catching a fish, make a turn. Well, the reason why you're not catching a fish, making a turn is because your lure's sitting there stale, not making a movement. It's just floating through the water. Yeah, you're only moving on that point eight as it, a it, It's just, it's just yeah. sitting there stagnant. It's not actually giving off any action. And then the second you make that turn and you break that current, it starts to flutter again and the fish is looking at it saying, well, what the hell is that? And then it flutters and flash and it's reaction strike. Every time, like, people always say, oh, just make a zigzag or zag over there, zig over here, and fish on. Like, old-school tactic to break in the current is all yeah. it is. It's like it's like floating a row bag in the river, just floating down the river. Yeah. It's basically, but you're out in the middle of the lake, and imagine your spoon just floating there at 40 feet, mm-hmm. not doing anything. Yeah, it's not too enticing. That's why, you're not, that's why you're not catching fish, so keep it interesting out there. And you would recommend that for all uses of deep water fishing? If you're if you're trolling for fish, a fish hawk is the most important piece of equipment you can bolt on your boat, in my opinion. So uh, tell us a bit about your rig then and your setup for what you guys are running. Um, so my buddy Matt Matt owns the boat. It is a Proline uh, Twenty Express. It's a walk around cutty. It's a big tug. It's only got. It's got a 150 Merc on it with a 99 Pro kicker. Um, I own half the gear that's on the boat and like half the tackle, bunch of the rods, riggers, stuff like that, planter boards. Like it. Yeah, it's a, it's a team contribution. It's a team contribution. Yeah, Matt's Matt's dad bought the boat and God rest his soul, he's passed away, not lo- no longer with us anymore. But mm-hmm. um, we. Um, yeah, it's 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 a it's a beautiful boat. It's a big water boat. Like we can take some. We fished a tournament for walleyes three years ago, I think, and it was it was calm the night before. When we did a pre-fish out of Port Burwell, and I'm surprised they ran the tournament. Like we were in eleven footers at some point during the day. Like it was a stiff southeast wind. I can't believe they ran it. We fished it. We were dumb for going out there. I wouldn't recommend it, but. Like we had a few waves we scooped up with the front of the boat and thank God it's got, you know, it's got the drain holes at the back and it just plows right through. And it was a pretty intense day of fishing for four walleyes that we caught because yeah, right. the fish were nowhere near where we found them the night before. Like yeah. we would have won it the night before if we had the box we had the night before, but yeah, that's just fishing, I guess. So that that's kind of the unexplained is how that current moves those fish what it does to the oh, bait fish yeah move and bait that's fish thing is is moving those bait fish if you're not on them yep yeah that's you, you're kind of lowering your decimals right there yeah you, i mean you gotta know you gotta know where the bait fish are and that's also what helps having everything like being out there as often as possible you're gonna be more successful so that's why charter guys are in with account every every couple of days you know what i mean yeah or every day a couple times a day they're out there and they're they're getting a count every day so but they're out there every day they know where the fish are they move along with them they get they're in their migration and it's it's simple that way but weekend warriors like us because that's all we are yeah we still do pretty good blue collar working blue collar weekend warriors yep. getting the boat out for the weekend that's yeah, right get away from get away from life for a couple five six hours on a saturday or a sunday morning and carry yeah. on so okay so you talked a little bit about that fish hawk um what other kind of electronics are you running for these deep waters on your guys rig um up front we got a simrad 
Evo 2, I believe it's called. Uh, it's just a, it's a graph that's compatible to radar, autopilot, and does fish finding and has uses Navionics cards, which is a pretty common GPS card. It's, it's obviously GPS, and we also have a HDS7 out back at the rigger for when you're setting lines. You can have a quick quick little look at the graph there instead of trying to see you know 15 feet behind you where the helm is mm-hmm. you got you got one right there on on front of us and it's uh it's all it's all networked together so what the simrad's reading the lawrence is reading and if i make set a waypoint at the simrad or the lawrence it shows on both and it's just like it's just a, it's a nice setup like yeah. it's all it's all networked together and it's just it's a handy setup and also having the autopilot on the boat is that's the cat's meow like there's no other we just concentrate on lines and doing what you got to do out back net and fish and mm-hmm. with the one the weather radar or the object radar like the boat's going to drive around it'll just start alarming off and yeah you can just make it steer around things like Never. So, so how does your guys autopilot work then in your system because obviously mine is a, a trolling motor on the bow yeah, so ours is um, it's a, it's a hub setup behind the steering wheel, and um, then it's run directly through the GPS system in the graph, and it's also linked to the to the radar, which, you know, um, perfect example was two weeks ago. Um, my buddy Matt and a couple other boys were out on the boat. I couldn't go that day. I was turkey hunting, and. Um, it was foggy. You couldn't see 15 feet in front of you. you just, I was out on St. Clair that day. It was yeah. crazy. Yeah, it was crazy thick fog. Yeah. Well, we knew where every boat was because just going around and it's right on right on your uh, GPS map. It's yeah. showing, showing the red little blips just like on battleships. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a boat, there's a boat, there's a boat. You're like, so that would show up on the Simrad. It shows up on the Simrad. And it'll show up on the Lorance as well if we turn the map on. We hardly right. ever have the map on the Simrad, you're, on yeah. the Lorance, because it's you're just You're more or less just marking what's underneath. Yeah. With, yeah. with the Lorance, we're just using it as a full sonar screen so we can see where the hooks are for mm-hmm. the marking fish and we can set our lines. And, and then the only thing that's up front that... I wish we had a screen or which would read on the screen of Lawrence as the fish hawk, but I mean, it's got big enough display that, yeah. And bold enough letters. You can see it from at yeah, the back you of guys the boat. I can turn around big silver model. I think yeah, that they're all, shows they're all big silver. They all pretty well look the same. The only difference is with the X four D or X X D four or whatever it is. It's, um, it's Bluetooth compatible. You can, okay. you can get an app on your phone and you could read it right on your phone, which you, we don't personally need to, so mm-hmm. it doesn't. It's not that big of a deal. So. Yeah, yeah. So your guys rigging. What kind of rigging are you getting into? Because that's a whole different ball game when you're out fishing these big waters for mostly. I guess what are you guys fishing for mostly? Because when I'm going out for walleye, you guys are rigged totally different. Oh yeah, than what I am. When um, you guys are catching walleye. It seems to be you're catching them by mistake. Yeah, <laughs> you're not. You're certainly not well, targeting them. I, I, we, we definitely go out to Lake Erie and target walleyes. Like, you hear, we get back to the dock. You hear guys going out there and like, oh yeah, we caught like six walleyes and ten rainbows. And how many rainbows? Oh, we didn't catch. I mean, we went a couple seasons. We didn't catch any rainbows because we were targeting walleyes. Mm-hmm. And one, it's water temperature. We're fishing the proper temperature water column. 
two, we were putting the proper presentation down, proper speed at the ball. So that's where the fish hawk comes in handy, both for the water temperature and the speed. Like rainbows sometimes like 2.5 mile an hour or higher. Mm-hmm. They're an active fish. They're a high energy fish. Walleyes, eh, one eight to two three down there. Not a bad little setup, but pickerel are happiest, they say, in like 67 degree water, I believe. Something like that. So, so if we're you're still sitting around that 49, right, 53. Right now, yeah, surface temp, but I'm talking yeah. down at the ball. Like I'm talking, oh, if we're in 60 feet of water, we're running, if, if 67 degrees is at 25 feet, I'm running my lines at 25 feet if I'm looking for walleyes. Right. If I'm looking for rainbows, I'm going to send it down and find 55 degree water, which could be at 45 feet. But then again, you get those ignorant rainbows that doesn't matter. They're in the top 15 field of the water column anyways. And mm-hmm. that's where your sliders come in handy if you want a little jumping action on Lake Erie. But that's – if you can't if you go to Lake Erie and you can't catch walleyes, you're doing something drastically wrong and probably trolling with a current that's underwater. And that's where the fish – I think the fish hawk will tell you that instantly. And it's, it's, a, it's a make or break your thing, so – we could do a whole podcast on just on a fish hawk. Oh, it's yeah. incredible! Like the information it tells you, man. Like I was well, after I finally learned it and understood it. I think it took a, a couple weeks of going out and actually learning it and doing some research. Like you're, you're dumbfounded on the stuff that it can tell you. Mm-hmm. Like it's by far, again, I'll say it again, the most important piece of equipment we have on the boat. I just, I wish I could learn it all right here, right oh, now. It's, it's incredible. Well, we'll get you out on break free, and I'll, I'll show you ex- <laughs> like. Once, once you know, if the fishing store is open, you'll have one on your way home. Like you'll call the buddy and be like, yeah, throw that on the MasterCard. Don't tell the wife. Yeah. Click. <laughs> yeah. Tell, tell me when it's in. Like, to ask for permission. Forgiveness than it is for permission. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 So your guys, uh, rigging setup, like how are you guys running, say on a, a four man travel? Four man travel. Four okay. Man. So Lake Erie, even even Lake Ontario for salmon and stuff. Um, we usually always run planer board setup just to just to spread it out across the back of the boat, easier to fight. So we usually four guys, you're out eight rods. We'll go. We definitely go. We go two on the planer board, which will either be most likely be lead core or a body bait, like a deep diving body bait off the planer boards. Uh, we always have two dipsies in the water, both sides of the boat, and if we're if we're Lake Ole, we'll have two on the riggers. We'll have a stacked rigger. Or if we don't have a stacked rigger, we'll run a copper, a copper line on Lake Lake Ontario for salmon, which is kind of the same as a lead core. And but usually the lead cores and the copper will try to put them out on the on the planer board. But sometimes you have a bit of a hairy time keeping them in the release clips on the planer board lines. Mm-hmm. We we don't run the inline planers. It's not worth it. Like you got they're $90 for a tattletail inline planer from offshore tackle. Like we're, we're, th- we're 200 bucks or 300 bucks into a set of, uh, Riviera tri boards. Like they pull way farther off to the side and they just, they clear up a lot more, a lot more space off the side of the boat. Like they're, they're running about midship on the boat. Like they really pull off to the side. So they're, they're, they're a nice little setup and we got the self-retracting Riviera planer board mast out front too so 
and Scotty Downriggers, the 2216s, I believe they're called. The tournament series, nice 310 foot per minute retrieval rate. They're fast. You just pull the clutch and let them drop. You can free spool it right down as deep as you want. So that's nice for setting up and tournament fishing, getting right back down to where the fish are. So it's a, it's a nice setup. So you're running that for the four guys. That's that's your whole yeah. display. Yeah, you got play. Yeah, you got usually usually put uh, one on the planer board. You got a dipsy and two on a rigger. You'll put two out the planer board, the dipsy and one on the rigger. Whether you're stacking or not, it all depends on. And so, sometimes, like Lake Erie, sometimes they don't want the riggers at all, and we'll just drag the one rigger around with the fish hawk on just to get information, so mm-hmm. we know what other setups to put out. Whether you're running a five color core, a ten color core, um. 30 foot diver 20 foot diver like body bait or sometimes even put like um like jet diver or something like that on like you gotta have like we got an arsenal of gear to go out there and even your dipsies like you you go on the charts the charts only tell you so much like but as you start using them like using a number number one or a number zero whatever it is i believe it's a zero is a smaller one isn't it yeah Yeah, the, the zero and three setting 180 back on a three setting i believe gets you right around the 45 foot mark but off the side of the boat as well out with where that planer board is and seem to catch fish so i mean so on that note just talking about the dipsies and the charts uh you're talking about and i know but for everyone else is these dipsies at a certain depth a certain weight a certain way you're displaying that weight and how that dipsy is diving is how deep that lure is actually going yeah like it gives you a depth chart for so they have you can run it at a straight up on a zero setting which means it'll if you put it straight out the back of your boat and you let out 75 feet of line that dipsy will dive down let's say 50 feet or whatever it is because it's and then it has a little has a little weight on it with a gauge on the bottom and you can turn it either way to fish both sides of your boat so uh, if you're fishing port side, you turn it the way you need to turn it, and it'll tip the it'll tip the blade on its side, and then you got to let out more line to get down deeper, and that's why when we always run them on a, th- or I shouldn't say we always do, mostly we run it on a three setting, to get it away from the riggers, especially when we're running like on Lake O, we'll be running, I'll be. Uh, I'll have a flasher and a meat rigger, a flasher fly on the back of a dipsy, and I want that as far as away from this rigger, the rigger cable and the rigger setup. It also has a flasher or a fly and a, and a meat rig setup on it. Like, I don't want those don't want those spin doctors or those paddles making contact or being too close to one another. Like, mm-hmm. And they're obviously at different depths, but just just clears clears things up and spreads it across the board. And so when we're making a, when we're making a swath through the water, we're, we're 80, 90 feet wide or 100 feet wide with a lure spread. So you're covering a lot of water. And Absolutely. Better chance of catching more fish. More so, fish, so. Um, where, like, what charts are you guys using? Because there was Dipsy actually did offer an app some time ago. It was like the Dipsy Diver app, but that's no longer available. What do you guys use? We just laminate the chart that comes with a Dipsy Diver when you buy it. That, or we Google it. Like, lots of times they get, they get wore out or whatever, or we just Google it on our phone and save a screenshot of that size dipsy diver on her phone oh yeah just yeah it's i mean they all come with one every time you buy one new it'll come with one for that size that you buy 
And I mean, there's there's also like um, walker downriggers, deeper divers, and then there's 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 all kinds of different there's slide divers or whatever you want to call them. Like there's there's so many different styles of divers that you can use, and they all work. Yeah. I mean, we just happen to run the dipsies, yeah. and then I think we got a couple walker deeper divers too. They're the exact same thing. Exact same. Thing. Yeah. I mean, and then you get two different two different charts or um, depths with the dipsies with with a ring or without a ring and there's a little removable ring or a replaceable ring that you can that you, they have and i don't know sometimes we run them without sometimes it all depends on how they come out of the tackle bag or the, the bag the dipsy bag we call it if they come out with a ring we run it with a ring if it, if it doesn't have a ring well, we're running it without a ring we're not gonna go looking for it because we're busy trying to catch fish so yeah. we just let out another 30 feet of line <laughs> so when you guys so uh get- i actually i guess i'm more focused and interested on what are you guys doing when you're running, say, 80 feet across, trying to catch fish? Meanwhile, there's however many other boats in the vicinity. Well, that's that just comes down to... Because Lake Erie's a big one, right? If you're going out to, we'll just say Glasgow, because Port Glasgow can be a happening place in the late August, early September time, right? Yep. When yep. that's going on and there's a hundred plus boats out there and someone's found them and another guy and then three other guys and now there's 80 boats out there, what are you guys doing? Well, first thing is you, you take that, the uh, VHS or VH uh, marine radio there and you turn that <laughs> off. You don't tell anybody. You don't tell anybody <laughs> yeah. any, informa- any information on the water unless it's via text message and close body but. Most times it's boulder adequate. You don't, you don't cut someone's planter board off. You don't cut. If you're coming near a guy, it's always a rule of thumb. I think you turn left. If you're coming up on a guy, turn left or turn right, whichever way. You know what I mean? If no one's making a move, someone make a move, and you do the exact same move because then you're both turning away from each other, mm-hmm. and that's just etiquette out on the water. Like <laughs> I've seen guys. And on sound where it's literally bumper bolts. Like you don't run planter boards and on sound in the salmon spectacular. I seen a guy throw a cannonball through the side of another guy's boat because he cut his line off like for the fifth time in the morning. And like <laughs> you ever see two guys fighting each other out the back of the boat and all of a sudden the lures pop up between the two boats and they're fighting, you know, two numbskulls standing there fighting each other. Yeah. 150 <laughs> feet, 200 feet apart because their two lures are hooked together and. Like this literally happened to the same two guys three times, and the one guy threw a cannonball through the actually went through the little side window of his boat. <laughs> it was pretty hilarious. I mean, I guess you got to get your point across somewhere. Well, yeah, like that's just ignorant. Like, yeah, someone, for sure. You see someone catching a fish, like everyone's like, "Oh, let's go over there and see if there's no." Give the man some room. Like mm-hmm. let let him. He's not at the helm of his boat. Like let him battle that fish and see if he can land it. Like it's mm-hmm. it's only fair, right? Like yeah. it's it's all a strike of luck. Like. As far as I'm concerned, like so in that relation, like your color options, your your spoon patterns, that's all going off of what has worked, what's working that day. Uh yeah, you do you do your research. like obviously a copper back has got a walleye's attention. Seems to right yeah, yeah. a lot of people buy a copper back spoon for going yeah for walleye. yeah like a greasy chicken copper like that's a huge walleye spoon right. or a NASCAR copper like out on Lake Erie. Um, basically like with the internet and social media these days and all the forms that you can go on, like you can basically go on and some guys are pretty secretive about stuff, but I, I don't even know what my favorite walleye spoon is. I don't even know what it's called. 
and it's got a Christmas tree on it. That's all I know. <laughs> like if if we're not catching fish, I'll put that sucker down and it's catching fish. Like, right. It, it should be in the water every time, but it's not because yeah, yeah. you read all the posts and got yeah. The guys hammering, guys hammering NASCAR this year. Yeah, this week it's a Jerry Lee or an Orange Crush or you know Natural Born Killer or Michael Jackson or Tequila Sunrise. Like the list goes on and on and on. Like and we have about five or six of each of those spoons mm-hmm. and many more that I can probably can't even remember. Like watermelon was a huge one one year. Like we got goldback, copperback watermelon. We got speckled watermelon. We got mags, mini mags. And like- well, that's one thing I've definitely picked up on is you, you can have one color that's absolutely killing it, one pattern that's killing it. But if you've only got one of that lure and you've got four rods out, yeah, it's well, pretty lonely. Well, what are you doing on the rest? You know what I mean? Sometimes you're not doing I mean, right. fish, they still catch fish the yeah. other colors, but, I mean, for some reason, fish got an appetite for something, and yeah. that's what they want, right? That's right. So, like, but. So, when you guys are heading out, how are you guys picking out your, like, what kind of weather are you going out on? What are you looking for that it's like, okay, we're, you know, that's right, because we're obviously talking about Erie and Lake O what are the best winds to go out on which and how did you kind of come about that is that learning is that well you know, do that's you do a lot of offshore kind of geography a lot of it's common sense like you don't fish lake erie on an east wind period mm-hmm. like if it's east wind 20k you're you're in the big waves the f- the lake flows from west to east so if you get a wind blowing from the east that's blowing against the natural current of the lake like it's going it's to the Niagara Falls and it's not a, sh- it's not a deep lake. It's shallow. So yeah. it's, it builds quick. Like uh Southwest wind can be nasty. I'll fish a Southwest wind, even if it's a little bit stiff because it's an easy ride in. You're beating and banging going on the way out a little bit. Usually it's not so bad in early morning. Sometimes it is, but mm-hmm. it's beating and, you know, but on your ride in, you're riding with the surf, right? So it's not so bad if, if you got a strong stomach or the motion doesn't bother you. A southwest wind's good. South wind's fine as, as long as it's not hammering. Like, you're not going to go fishing on a 60K wind. Like, Lake Erie is 75 feet at its deepest in Central Basin. Like, the deepest part, I think it's just a shade over 200 feet, and that's off the lighthouse on Long Point. You're not seeing that at a Glasgow or Stanley. No. Like, you're 75 feet maybe 80 feet now because the great lakes are up an abundance like it's ridiculous Mm -hmm. how deep or how high the water is anymore but um you yeah if if you're in a smaller boat you got to watch the weather like that is it's going fishing for a cooler full of walleye is not worth your life and no it's too bad so many people each year lose their lives because that lake i've seen her she's turned on a dime lady erie is a mean, mean lady. Like, you can be sunny skies and little waves, and the next thing you know, there's a storm on the horizon, and you're in, I've seen it, in eight, nine, ten-footers or more, and they're violent. Yeah. And if you're 15 miles out or 12 miles out or even just 12 miles from port, like, that is a long, unsettling feeling working your way back in just to get like sometimes it's just best just to hammer right the closest point to shore and just beat your boat like if it gets to that point Mm -hmm. don't battle back just the lake's gonna calm down if you're you know everyone's got a cell phone in their pocket if you got a charged cell phone 
Yeah. Call the people up and say, listen, this is where we are. We're safe. We're on the beach. We'll, f- we'll figure it out when the storm passes. Yeah. Like it's, but you got to watch. We watch the weather pretty, even in a 20 foot boat that's got a deep haul. We still watch the weather. If it's, if it's the wrong winds, we don't go. It's yeah. not, it's not worth it. I got three kids at home and a wife. I don't need to, I don't need them looking for my body in the, in the water. Yeah. Over a cooler of fish. Or, yeah, that's right. So it's not, it's just not worth it. You just got to be smart about it. Like I said, it's common sense. So yeah. East winds, bad. South winds can be nasty. Anything offshore, if it's northeast, they say east wind, fish bites bite the least. Uh, northeast isn't terrible. Anything offshore is fine. It's usually a mill pond out there. So pretty calm. So. And then Lake O, what was that saying you're saying earlier about oh. going to Lake Erie and Lake O? Oh yeah, if you if if you're planning on going to Lake on or Lake Erie, and uh, say you got a 35 or a 40k wind out of the southwest, you head to the western basin Lake Ontario, and it's a mill pond again. It's piss on a plate. Like it's go catch some salmon. Go yeah. go have some fun because again, you're only Lake Ontario. You're at best, four to five miles offshore, and you're 300 plus feet of water. Like, and you don't necessarily need. That's called the blue zone. That's a whole other topic of fishing. Like, that's that's something I haven't mastered yet. Is mm-hmm. fishing the blue zone? That's where you got a you got a bait down 200 plus, looking for that one big greasy 35 plus pounder. Like, and then usually when you're in a tournament, that one's caught in 80 feet of water. So they're down there. <laughs> yeah, they're they're out there. Like they're they're there. It's it's a style of fishing called blue zone, and we don't dabble in that too much. We fish usually don't go much deeper than 120 feet down, 130 feet down, or something like that. But most of the time, you're only 60, 70, 80 feet down, maybe 90 at the most mm-hmm. for a regular day of fishing. Just to go out and listen to some drag screams. So it, it gets scary, and like I don't, not to discourage anyone, but like when you start getting into those 50 feet of water plus. It, it's like, you know, what what could change real quick? You have zero control over. Yeah. Don't give a shit how fast your boat is. No. Nope. It can change a lot of things nope. real quick. And, I mean, you know, water something that can't be put out. No. Water is a probably, there. probably the most, one of the most powerful forces on the planet, really. Like, when there's water moving, mm-hmm. That's it'll, right. move, it'll move stuff out of its way. Yep. Like, raging rivers, whatever, like. We've all seen it on the news and hurricanes. I mean, tsunamis. Like, look what mm-hmm. they do. Like, they just decimates islands and stuff. But yeah, um, really, it comes down to you know your how good you are at handling your boat and water. Like some people, some people just don't know. Yeah. Like doing going to the fishing show in London and writing your boater's exam. And thinking you got a pleasure craft license and you can, you know, you're ready to captain a boat. Like, no, yeah, it's true. Sorry. Sorry. It's so like true. it's, that's, that's not the case. Like, yeah, that's what you legally need to in Ontario or maybe even Canada to operate a, a vessel over nine horse and 16 feet. I believe it is like, I've had mine so long. Like I'm surprised I still have the card and haven't lost it. Like that's probably the one piece of identification <laughs> that I haven't lost. Imagine, yeah. you know, Sadly enough, but it's, um, you got to know how to work waves and handle a boat across rough water. Like, and as far as I'm concerned, I don't think you can, you know, agree to disagree, but I don't think you can get that too much off of research and 
it all comes with a lot of experience. No, no like it's being on that water more and more and more. Or being with somebody who has been there or been in worse situations. That's like right. for me, I was fortunate. My great uncle Al, who's no longer with us, was on World War Two in the Navy. Like fought the war in the mm-hmm. North Sea, off the coast of France. Like the probably some of the roughest seas that anybody had ever seen. Yeah. Uh, like you see pictures and stuff. Like that's crazy. And yeah. he taught me. He taught me how to at a young age. This is how you. This is how you work waves right here. Like you. You quarter the waves and. If you're going in and if they're pushing you, you just go go just a little bit slower in the waves. Let them push it. They'll pick you up. And they'll, they'll shove you a little bit, and then you ride up over the top of them. And don't try to race the waves. Like don't don't beat them. You just definitely just a little bit slower in the waves are moving. Let them pick up the back of the boat and shove you. You'll pick up some speed. And mm-hmm. it's a bit, can be a bit of an eerie feeling on some bigger waves, but like absolutely. Basically, yeah, you you almost want to surf them in like you're on a surfboard, but mm-hmm. you just then and then eventually that wave will pass underneath you, and then and then you're stuck, and you'll feel like you're going backwards as the next wave's building behind you. But as long as that wave's not crashing and breaking over the back of your boat, you're good. Mm-hmm. Like, just keep it on the throttle, and you just got you got to throttle your boat. Sometimes you got to speed up, slack off, and speed up. Like, it's just I was taught it. <laughs> I was taught at a young young age how to do it, and like I said, I got I got thirty years experience on the water, so yeah, that kind of helps. It definitely helps. Like I remember the one time it was my dad, myself, and my uncle Al, and I I couldn't have been any more than five or six. The steering cables broke, and east wind picked up on Lake Erie, and it was foggy. We launched out of Port Stanley, and it's not very far, but we ended up being in Bruce by the time we got to got into a port, got into shore, like we followed the shoreline. Till we, and my dad had to wrestle a 90-horse Merc in like six or seven footers with no steering cable. My uncle was just throttling the boat, and we were just getting battered around in this little boat and just hanging onto a motor on the side of the engine case, just hoping and praying. Like, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be there, but... Push left, push right. Yeah, to just try and hold it straight Jeez. because a boat always naturally steers yeah. to the right or the left, whichever way you got the little magnesium skeg set at, right? Mm-hmm. So, usually it's to the right, so... But yeah, like, it's just, it's all, it's definitely all experience and common sense, like, just... So for someone that's, you know, get, getting into it all and spending more time on the water, like what's your best, obviously spending $10,000 unless you got it laying around as chump change isn't going to put more fish on the boat, but it's just investing more time. Yeah. Invest more time, like practice it, get out and do it. Enjoy yourself while you're doing it. Don't get down if you're not catching nothing. Like it's, um, um, some days, like, we still even go out and we'll get, like, three, four fish days, like, and you got to struggle for them. Like, it's, just keep changing up. Like, it, it helps when you have all the gear that we have because you can just keep, you can just throw everything at them. Like, it's like throwing the kitchen sink at them. Like, yeah. just, you wash every spoon. You know what I mean? You wash every spoon. You drag every color meat rig. You put every fly, flasher combination down for salmon. You know what I mean? You th- you hit every body bait. Like, you try it all. Like, eventually, you're either going to find something that works or you're not on fish and you can't find fish or the fish just don't want anything to do with anything yeah. that day. It's You can't control them. It's like, it's not, 
it's not a flea market. Like it's yeah. you gotta entice them to hit. So if they're not into it, they're not into it. And we've definitely had those days. And we've had those days on days we thought we were gonna kill them and where it was gonna be good because we were in a tournament. And you know, you go out fishing for four hours before the tournament starts, and you boat twenty five fish, and you fish for seven hours, and you catch three yeah. the next day, like literally twelve hours. Like, didn't even pull the boat out of the water. <laughs> yeah. So. It happens. It's fishing. It happens. It is fishing. Like, it's, it is what it is. Like, no, nobody goes out and slays the fish every time they go out on the water. It's, mm-hmm. it's impossible. So. Just I think what that's is. what I love about it. Yeah, exactly. It keeps you coming back for more. Right? Absolutely. So. Every time. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you digging out all those techniques and. Yeah, like, it's nice to learn a little bit. I I certainly am listening all the time because I'm trying to go out every weekend and piece by piece grab some more fish. And that's that's just it. Like it's you gotta read your forms. Like there's all kinds of little forms and Facebook groups and all that stuff. Go on and read read what the guys are saying. A lot of guys are pretty open about what they're what they're using and what their tactics are. And do some research on some good equipment. Um, buy some decent reels. You can cheap out on some rods, get get half decent rods anyways, and yeah, just if it's something you're into, just get into it. Like it's mm-hmm. it doesn't go bad. Like it's that's right. It's it's an investment. Like you, if you buy it for twelve bucks, you're gonna sell it for nine bucks, and that night, you know, that twelve dollar spoon could have caught you three hundred fish. You know what I mean? And yeah. If you wanted to sell it for three dollars less than you paid for it, that's that's not a bad program if you ask me. Yeah. Because pickerel to go buy down at Wharfs and Port. Port Burwell is probably about twenty five dollars a pound. So, would I mean the pickerel I catch is about a hundred thousand a pound? But <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's worth the it's charter. More it's more fun, <laughs> yeah, right? right? It's more fun my way than letting someone net them. So exactly. Yeah. No, it's for sure. Time. Well, I I'm, I'm happy you came over and yeah, man. enjoyed Thanks some dinner and a few pints and yeah. Uh, looking this forward. definitely won't be the last time. One one more day of work and. Uh, Get some yard work done Saturday, and hopefully we're surfing some waves on Sunday. On I nice hear that. Little waves, though. We want yeah. Nice, nice little waves. <laughs> yeah. No flies. I want that piss on a plate. Yeah. No no flies. The flies are horrendous. Early season, Lake Ontario, like, literally yeah. have three inches of flies sitting. What are those? Boat. Those are, like, a MIG fly? Yeah, they're midge or something Midge, like that. that's right. Midge, midge fly. Midge fly, yeah. And they always come around that early season. It's yeah. the, it's, I believe what I read was the change in temperature of water going from that cold to warm. Yeah. And it's that fish and the bait, and like it's a whole. That's why we killed them that day. Of... That's why we. That's why we boated over thirty-five fish that day. Like yeah. Because we were right in the, probably at the starting points of that hatch, and the fish were just on a huge yeah. feeding frenzy. That's right. And it was just, it was just an epic day to be on the water. Yeah, I'll be, uh, I'll be sharing a photo, along with this, to show how nasty yeah. those flies were. Yeah, they were pretty gross, but. But the fishing was wicked, so yeah, that made up for it. Yeah. Just go to TSE and get your bug suits. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Buy a bug suit. Or Do just... those come free with the charter expense? Or... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, I wish. Or bring I had your a... own net. I, yeah, yeah, bring your own net. Yeah, I, I really wish I had a charter because, like I said on, in the other couple other podcasts we did, even with hunting, like I, I love seeing people who have never experienced something mm-hmm. before experience something for the first time. That's right. Like yeah. Queener, the other side of Heathen yeah. Outdoors here, man, he never... I have never been on a fish like that. Like, yeah. Like, and the look on his, the smile on his face when he 
yeah. was bringing that thing in, man. Exactly. Like it's worth it. You can make mistakes. Like he, he, I think he lost three fish before he boated that one, or we had three takes before we got that one into the boat. And mm-hmm. like he definitely lost one for sure. But, and then I made a first boated seat or boating, boating trip of the year mistake. I didn't put a snubber on the dipsy when you're salmon fishing. That's another key thing. Yeah. You need a snubber salmon or trout fishing on a dipsy diver. What about on eyes? Are you a snubber guy or no? No, no. no snubber on eyes. No, they don't. They don't hit hard enough. Half the time they're swimming with it. See, I've had days where they're they just they cannot stay off of them. We've been out of the water in an hour and a half, and all we've ran is dipsies and snubbers. Yeah, well, just just I we never run a snubber on the on the walleyes. We probably lose a few because of it, yeah. but I mean, you need it with the salmon. I mean, like they just take some of that bite when, when they when they when they hit the lure and you know you're one eighty back. By the time you get the rod holder out of the the rod out of the rod holder and that that fish is at you know 325 yeah 325 and gaining <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah make like, sure your spool, spools are filled right up yeah like that, like fish on that guy's catching the two o'clock pitch at the jays game right now like, <laughs> see you yeah. later yeah so, <laughs> yeah but, yeah so no it's been a slice man and like i said this will not be the last time for sure yeah, we'll we'll definitely try to get you out on break free yeah that would be we'll awesome. make it a late goal program so <laughs> yeah, you can I see what uh Hopefully it's a stellar day like we had out with Queener there. Yeah, that was insane. Man. Oh, that man. was like first day out too. Boat launches had just opened back up, and you yeah. guys were like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna go out and catch some fish." It wasn't and... even busy. Like we were literally by the time we got the rods and everything set up and the boat untied from the trailer and ready to splash in, we were in line. Like we were, we were next up, and it was splash in, park the truck, we we're gone. It was, Crazy. It was beautiful, and there was Love zero it. line up to get out, so it was it was just a a good setup yeah it's a great day so yeah cool well i appreciate it and uh thanks everyone for listening if you guys have any questions you can uh message trev on instagram heathen outdoors send him a facebook info or uh dm rather on trev summers yep yeah trevor summers yeah and uh he would be surely happy to answer any of your questions and uh, don't feel like you can't not ask about turkeys, deer, whatever, because the guys in the woods are on the water. So, before right, so let's keep this up. That's right. It's fishing season just getting started, and before we know it, deer hunting's here. That's right, baby. Right. All on. right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Mm-hmm.